Well, there was a woman being tailgated by a stressed out man. Pick any Albuquerque street, right? And suddenly, you know what happened. They're moving along and the light turns yellow. What do you do? Well, she did the right thing. She stopped right there at the crosswalk at the light, even though she could have gunned it and gone right ahead through that yellow red light. Well, the tailgating man, the guy behind her, hit the roof. And he hit his horn, and he was screaming in frustration because he missed a chance to get through the intersection right on her bumper. And while he was still in mid-rant, while he was throwing this tantrum, he heard a tap, tap, tap on the window. And he looked, and he saw a very serious-looking police officer. (laughs) Oh, it gets better. The officer ordered him to exit the car with his hands up. He proceeded to handcuff him, search him, handcuff him, and put him in the back seat of the cruiser. After quite a bit of time, the officer came back and let the man out. He released him, and he said, I'm very sorry for the mistake. I pulled up behind your car while you were blowing your horn, while you were flipping off the car in front of you, while you were cussing a blue streak, whatever that means, at her. He said, I noticed something. I noticed on your vehicle a Choose Life license plate holder, a What Would Jesus Do bumper sticker, a Follow Me to Sunday School bumper sticker, and a chrome-plated, you've seen them, fish emblem on the trunk. So naturally, I assumed you had stolen that car. (laughs) Wow, do we ever live in an aggressive ruthless world. Now, my wife, minus the cussing and flipping off, she might think that would have been me, but no, that's not me. I I don't have one of those on the car, but I do like to make yellow lights. But the the point of the story is, it's an aggressive world. I would even say a ruthless world that we live in. And we're going to talk about gentleness today. And sometimes gentleness can be translated, maybe in in your scripture, meekness, uh, humility, But here's what I want you to get. It's a dramatic contrast to the aggressiveness and the ruthlessness of our world. So we're going to today, again, look at an attribute of the fruit of the Spirit. We have up on the screen Galatians 5, 22, and 23. And we'd like to read that together. There it is. Would you say it with me? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And remember, through the Spirit is the result of the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. We need to remember, and I remind you every time, that it's the Holy Spirit's fruit in us. And fruit means there uh, yield, produce, offspring. It, it, it's, it's active. Now let me give you the, the simple definition for biblical gentleness. It's really different because, you know, blessed are the meek. Meek is a different word we use today. It often means wimp. Would you agree with that? That's how people interpret it. But what gentleness is, is three words, strength under control. Say that with me, strength under control. In fact, the Greek word translated in Galatians 5.23, uh, the word for gentleness, it came from a term that dealt with a wild horse that had become obedient to the bit and the bridle. It was therefore, it was never a lack of power. This stallion had all kinds of power. But what it was was great power under the control 
of a master. And we have a master, don't we? He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And we can have great power under his control, gentleness. One author said it this way about gentleness. I love it. It's the strength of being tender. I kind of like that because we don't always think of tender being strength. So the big idea today is this. We are to exhibit a gentle life, which is the result of the Holy Spirit working in us. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, reading the first 12 verses. 1 Thessalonians 2. For, your, for you yourselves know, brothers, that our visit with you was not without result. On the contrary, after we had previously suffered and and had been outrageously treated in Philippi, as you know, we were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel of God to you in spite of great opposition. Are you getting the picture? For our exhortation didn't come from error or impurity or an intent to deceive. Instead, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please men, but rather God who examines our hearts. For we never use flattering speech, as you know, or had greedy motives. God is our witness. And we didn't seek glory from people, either from you or from others, although we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles. Instead, we were gentle among you. As a nursing mother nurtures her own children, we cared so much for you uh, that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember our labor and hardship, brothers, working night and day so that we would not burden any of you. We preach God's gospel to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how devoutly, devoutly, excuse me, righteously and blamelessly we conducted ourselves with you believers. As you know, like a father with his own children, we encouraged, comforted, implored each one of you, look, look what it says, to walk worthy, we've already heard about walk this morning in scripture, to walk worthy of God, and look what God does, who calls you into his kingdom and glory, let's pray. God, may my words speak your truth today, may we see these words on the page of the Bible jump out at us. As we have receptive hearts, open ears, that we might listen to how you will do what only you can do. How you will uniquely shape your words and put them right in our lap as individuals and as a church as a whole. So, so we pray that you would speak today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So it's good to be back. Missed you last week. My buddy Sam was here. I hope you treated him okay. Were you nice to him? Good. All right. Good. Appreciate him filling in. But we missed you. It's good to be back. And so we're going to jump in here and look at this passage. An interesting passage, but I think it fits with gentleness if you have the definition of strength under control. And uh, just, just a quick little background. Paul's third missionary journey. Paul, you can see at the beginning of First Thessalonians, Paul, a guy named Silvanus, and Timothy brought the gospel to Thessalonica, which is modern day, part of modern day Greece today. Then it was, the, according to Acts 17, the capital of Roman Macedonia. 
And the people there received the gospel. You know, you notice he said a few times there, as you know, as you know, as you know, they received the gospel, but <clears throat> they were in tribulation. Yet they received it with joy. They were turning from idolatry and turning to the living God. And in chapters 1, 2, and 3 here, we see how Paul encouraged them in their faith. And we're going to look at an encouragement here today. I pray that this sermon will be encouraging. It will not be like patience, I promise you. Man, I don't know about self-control next week, but this one is encouraging, I think. I think we all have a shot to let God really work in our life with this. And so... Uh, point number one, we see in verses one and two, what I call controlled strength sharing the gospel. Controlled strength sharing the gospel. What does that mean? Well, first, I believe the most gentle thing a Christian can do, the most kind thing a Christian can do, is to share the gospel of Jesus. Do you know that? It, it's so kind, and it, it's strength and control. It's so gentle to share Jesus Christ with someone. Now, there could be other needs, but, but, but above financial needs, above a job, above relational needs, above anything else you can imagine, sharing Jesus is an awesome thing to do. And this is what Paul and the gang did. And the scripture says they did it in spite of great opposition. Did you see that? Now, this opposition and suffering was intent. In fact, my translation uses the word outrageously, and he mentions Philippi. So I'm going to go back to Acts 16 real quick and, and read a few verses so you can just see what this suffering was like that Paul was dealing with. And you'll remember, well, you'll remember they, there was this girl who could do these different things they uh, predictions, if you will, and they were making a lot of money off of it, and Paul put the kibosh on that and was greatly aggravated, and then it was no more, basically, this little money-making enterprise, and I pick it up in verse 19, and this is what it said, when her owners saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Hey, we're going for lunch. No, that's not what they were going for. And bringing them before the chief magistrates, they said, these men are seriously disturbing our city. They should have said our money, right? Uh, they are Jews, and they are promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans to adopt or practice. They're in Philippi. Then the mob joined in the attack against them, and the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had inflicted many blows on them, many blows on them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jail jailer to keep them securely guarded. Receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet in stocks. Now, you know the rest of the story. There's that midnight deliverance and all that. But the idea, what Paul's referring to is, yes, great opposition outrageously treated in Philippi, and yet we are still doing the kind and gentle thing, sharing the gospel. Paul notes that the visit to Thessalonica, Thessalonica, uh, no. Thessalon, uh, to the city in Greek Macedonia. <laughs> I don't really have dentures, but I, that's on camera too. Great. All right. Great. Thessalonica. 
The visit what? No, stop. The, stop. Don't be carnal out there. I'm telling you. Wow. I really had something good to say there. Uh, this, uh, this visit, it's, Scripture says, was not without result. So there was result. But that word was is a special word because it denotes a permanent and continuing character of the preaching. In other words, it's ongoing. They don't do it one time when they think they're safe. It's ongoing, and there's result. There's result. There's result. And it keeps happening. Strength under control. Now, most people would have been deterred from preaching the gospel, but not these guys. They had great controlled strength. Also note that they were emboldened. Did you catch that in verse 2? They were emboldened by this opposition. They weren't just like, well, I'll try to deal with the opposition. They were emboldened by it. It, the, The word gives us a picture of competitors in a contest. This strength under control. Man, it hit home for me. I thought this, this word just happened in the Olympics. I don't know if any of you have been watching the Olympics, but there's a guy named Bobby Fink, of all names. But he swam in the 1,500-meter freestyle and the 800. And he wasn't supposed to even get a medal, but he was emboldened by the competition, and he came from fourth in the 1,500 over and over to where the uh, announcers were, like, yelling, and he just found another gear and swam faster than he had at the beginning after that mile uh, race and won the gold medal and he turned around in the 800 and did the same thing third 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 oh he's too far back and all of a sudden the last 25 meters here he came he was emboldened by the competition it didn't sway him it took him on to a personal best now let's think about that in spiritual terms strength under control whatever the opposition is that you might face or I might face we have the opportunity to have biblical gentleness and share the gospel with people. Notice the strength under control where they said it came from. Our God. It doesn't come from us. It comes from our God. What about you? How's your strength? How's your resolve? Is it under control? Yet active? And I find it interesting. as God, You know how God puts things together? Uh, today we're at the end of the service. Uh, ordaining two fellas to be elders here. And what a great question for elders. Do we have biblical gentleness? Do we have strength, but is it under control? Are we emboldened by opposition? Something to think about. Well, let's move on to point number two, verses three through five. We see, so strength, great, but what's strong? The truth is strong truth. We see strong truth in verses 3 through 5. For exhortation didn't come from error or impurity or intent to deceive. Instead, just as we had been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. Not to please men, but rather God who examines our hearts. For we never use flattering speech, as you know, or had greedy motives. God is our witness. God's truth is strong. You believe that? You live in 2021, you better believe that. It's not my truth or my experience or my observation. It's God's truth, and it is strong. Look what Scripture says. It is without error. And it says there's integrity in it. And let me just tell you something. There's not just integrity in God's strong truth with the message 
We need also, and this is where gentleness comes in, we need also to have integrity with the motives. Hello? Don't try to manipulate someone. You might as well not share the gospel then. God's not honored in that. Our, our, our motives have to be, have integrity. And our methods as well. This is where the gentle spirit comes into play. So it's clear, and Paul comments on this, that God knew their heart. The, the word here is he appro- God approved them. The word means deem them fit as if on trial. If you're going to have an expert witness at trial, are you not going to vet them? If you're the lawyer, are you not going to make sure they are deemed fit, they are approved to be a witness? And so God approves them. Here's the test, church. You want a test? It's in verse 4. Look at verse 4. Here's the test for us today. In all that we do, is the message to please people or to please God? Drop the mic. Is that not true? We know as it gets closer and closer to the Lord returning that people what? They want their ears tickled. They want to hear certain things. No, we, the biblical message is not to please us or someone out there. It's to please God. It's to be right with him. And Paul states that there. The message was also not watered down. He uses the word impurity. It's a very strong word. It's also used to describe prostitution I'm sorry, incontinence and lewdness. It's like none of that in this strong truth. It's interesting. I find it interesting that there is so much more to gentleness on the inside than on the outside. See, we got meekness all messed up or humility. You know, you're a doormat. So I'm going to walk over you or you're wimpy. No, it's strength under control. But there's so much more on the inside. Then on the outside, hmm, God knows, doesn't he? You're aware that God knows us from the inside out, aren't you? I used to be in youth ministry many decades ago. We used to tell teenagers, now when you're out on that date, just know God's sitting right between you and your date in that car. (laughs) Kind of hokey, I know. Maybe it helped a little, I doubt it. (laughs) But the, the point is God knows. He knows what we're thinking. He knows what's going on. And he's wanting, the fruit of the Spirit, he's wanting to cultivate and develop this in our lives. So I ask you, how are we doing? How are our motives? How's our methods? I'm not too worried about the message. I think we're pretty good there. But what about motives and methods? And do we share God's strong truth? Another good question for an elder, the office of elder. Do you share God's strong truth? Well, let's move on. Point number three, just one verse, verse six. Paul basically says there's no authority asserted. And what I mean by this, if you will read and study more than just this chapter, but look throughout, look at the book of Acts, look throughout uh, these these epistles, you will find uh, there was no glory for them. There was no prestige for them. They were not asserting strength under control, asserting God's strong truth. They were not doing it for a specific position. Hello? Anybody out there? They weren't doing it for a position. Even though Paul mentions that we could have asserted this authority, I am an apostle. But no. 
Uh, let me just tell you something. And if I hadn't spent a lot, a lot of time with you, it doesn't mean this is you. But I have a little uh, reset in my life. I tend to not want to hang around people seeking glory for themselves. I tend to not want to hang around people seeking a certain position. Have you ever met someone like that? You know, don't come at me like that. Don't come at me with an agenda. I prefer people who have gentleness, strength under control, and kindness and all that. I don't know about you, but I was reminded of a situation that Jesus had to deal with. Do you remember the sons of Zebedee? Remember their names? J and J, what were their names? James and John and their mama. Do you remember that situation? They were in it. Position, right? I want some glory. Let me, I want to be able to sit right here. They sought that. Listen to the words of Jesus, Matthew chapter 20, verses 26 through 28. Strong words from Jesus. It shall not be so. Talking about those guys, the mama. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant or slave. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man, Jesus describing himself, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So I ask you today, what are you seeking? What are you asserting? It's interesting, as we describe overseers, as the Bible describes elders, we see in Titus 1 this little phrase. It's kind of a run-on sentence. But it says this, part of it, he must be blameless, not arrogant, not hot-tempered, not addicted to wine. And in one translation, it says, not a bully. Isn't that interesting? It gives us the picture. We could have also said, yeah, he should have strength under control, gentleness. And we should all have that, no matter what kind of leadership we're in. Let me just remind you today, as we think about ordination, and as we're just thinking about things in general, being in Sunday school class, if you're a Christian, you're a leader. Someone is watching you. Even a child in here today, you might have a younger brother or sister, and I want to tell you, they are watching you, or your friend is watching you. Whether we want to admit it or not, we are all thrust into some kind of leadership as Christians, and we should not assert authority. Number four, verses seven and eight. We get to the last two pictures. We got a picture of a mama, and we got a picture of a daddy. So let's, did you catch that? Let's look at that. Uh, when we think about strength under control, gentle strength, uh, the fourth point is gentle strength like a mother's affection. We see it in verses 7 and 8. Gentle strength like a mother's affection. You see, sometimes people have conceived, they have this idea about Paul, that he's this fervent apostle. He's the go-getter. He's aggressive. He's on the gospel battlefield. In fact, he's in the forefront of the gospel battlefield. He's spreading his message. He's moving around from city to city. But here we see something different. Here we see his love and his gentle display of affection. He gladly writes here. He announces to them his love for them. And he says it's like a nursing mother with her infant. Isn't that a powerful picture? Wow. And some manuscripts even go further and don't use the word gentle. They use the word for infant 
In, in my mind, this just furthers the idea of gentle strength like a mom. There's tenderness. There's tender care. Now, do you think a mama bear is, has strength under control? Mess with the baby and see what happens. I dare you. Try it. No, don't try it. You will regret it, right? Strength under control. There's tender care. And the person with gentle strength under control is very pleased to do something. Did you catch what it said there? In verse 8, they're very pleased to share the gospel of God with others. But that's not it. Don't miss the next phrase. They're very pleased to share the gospel of God with others as they share their life with others. Again, the picture of a mom. How are we doing? Are we sharing life with others? Elder, how are you doing? Are you sharing life with others? I remind myself all the time of this. I can't be a shepherd if I'm not with the sheep. Do you get it? Does that make sense? I think it makes sense. Where we got the idea that pastors should sit in their office all day long doing whatever it is that they do, even study. You have to be among the sheep if you're going to be a shepherd. But wait, what a great picture of this gentleness, like a mom. I'm reminded of 2 Timothy 2, 24 and the first part of 25. The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach and patient. Listen to this. Instructing his opponents with gentleness. Even in dealing with someone who has a different worldview, or maybe it could be even in your face, we are to instruct with gentleness. Finally, the last point today is gentle strength, but not like a mother's affection. Flip it over. It's like a father's instruction. Another aspect of strength under control. As we look, Paul comments on, it's, it's like we were a father, a father's work, a father's instruction. Now, you know, the, the Greeks, this is here written to folks who are in this Greek area, they viewed manual labor not for anyone but slaves. Not so with Paul and his gang. They, what did they say? They worked night and day. They worked hard to compel people to walk worthy of God's work in their lives. I'm sure the term 40-hour uh, work week was not, I don't think that was invented back then. It was not in their vocabulary. And he goes on to say, look what we did for you. In verse 12, we encouraged you. We comforted you. Do you know what that word means right there? That word comfort? It means to speak gently. They were to do that. And we implored you. That means to attest, to affirm, to ratify. They did all these things. What a great picture of strength under control. But why? Why, Paul? Why this strength under control? Why this action? Why are you guys acting like this? Why are you reminding these people this? Because it was this, so that they would walk worthy. They would walk in a manner worthy of God Almighty. Do you see it at the end of the passage? Remember this, our great God is the one who calls us to salvation. He is the one who develops the fruit of the Spirit within us. Galatians 5.16 But I say, walk in the, by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3. Therefore I, uh, the prisoner for the Lord... Paul writing again, urge you to walk worthy of the calling that you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting one another in love, diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit 
with the peace that binds us. So I simply ask you today, how's your walk? How's your walk? Leader, how's your walk? What does your walk look like? Let me close in this way. Church, we have one option. We must look to Jesus as our example. If ever we were going to look to Jesus for an example, wouldn't it be for biblical gentleness, strength under control? When you look at Jesus, talk, talk about great strength under control. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. You know it. Come to me. This is Jesus speaking. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you, you know it, don't you, rest. All of you take up my yoke and learn from me because I am, why? Because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light church be encouraged be encouraged by the example of Jesus in the Beatitudes at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5 verse 5 in the line of Beatitudes there's blessed are the meek gentle for they shall inherit the earth that's strength under control church this is God's message for us it's clear that it's not some human message it's God's message, and his message is effective in our life. Let's conclude with verse 13. We haven't read that yet. Look at 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. He says this. Under God's Holy Spirit, inspiring him to write these words, here's what Paul says. Also, this is why we constantly thank God, because when you receive the message about God, that you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as a human message, but as it truly is, the message of God. Is that clear? Which also works effectively in you believers. God, may you cultivate gentleness, strength under control in our lives. And may we do the gentle and kind thing and share your gospel with others. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for this encouragement. Jesus, thank you for your example. Thank you for the opportunity to see you and to know that you can work and do work in our lives. And God, I pray that this would be a hallmark of the people, of the family of Hoppentown Church, that we would uh, allow you to develop gentleness in our lives. Please, God, we ask for that. May we be strong, Lord, but may we have strength under control. May we share your strong truth, but may there be integrity, of course, in the message, but also in the motives and the methods. God, help us to do that. May we never assert authority. We, we never do something just to seek position, God, or glory for ourselves. 
May we turn it around. May we be like a mirror and we shine your light right back on you. May the spotlight be on you in all that we do as we are gentle. God, help us. Help us to be strong and tender like a mother. And Lord, help us to be strong and industrious, full of instruction and good work like Father. These are great examples that we can relate to, God, as we see this in your scripture. God, help us. And God, today I want to pray for people who might be listening online right now, who might be sitting in this room. God, I want to be faithful to your word, and God, help me to be able to remind them that you can't have this attribute, this fruit of the Spirit, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Lord, thank you. God, thank you for sending Jesus. You loved us so much, you sent Jesus that we would not have to perish, that we can believe, have trust, we can place our trust in you. God, thank you that your scripture is so clear that you demonstrated your love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you die and on the third day, you rose again, and you offer. In fact, you don't just offer. You pull us up to your side, and you offer salvation. For by grace are we saved through faith. It's a gift of God. It's your gift, God. It's not of anything that we do. We can't boast about it. We come to you. I pray today for those. God, no doubt there are people in this room, there are people uh, listening online that need to repent. God, help them. Show them to turn away from their sin like we all have had to do and run to you and shout, I believe, I believe, I trust. You are the one who saves you are the one who forgives. You are the one who can be Lord, master, and controller. So God, I pray for that. Would you do that today? There's people that need that. God, I pray for others who have the relationship, but you might want to tweak it a little today in our lives. You might want to chip a little bit off the old block and shape us to be people of biblical gentleness. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray.